This is episode 11 of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast with Rochelle Morgan. I somehow had this idea that because I was a music therapist, I should be able to take care of myself, that it was my job to help other people, and that um, I was not going to be the one receiving help. So I just, for whoever's listening to this podcast, I want you to know that we all need help from time to time in various kinds of ways, and that we all deserve it. We all deserve the support of people in our community Um, And we're all going to find ourselves in situations that are unhealthy in one way or another. And it's okay to find yourself in that position and it's okay to find help getting out. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. On this week's episode, I talked to Rochelle Morgan about how she built her business over the past 15 years while remaining aligned with her values and growing slowly while also dealing with the challenges of life. And we also talked specifically about her recent, relatively recent divorce. And her story is very touching and something that I think a lot of people listening will benefit from hearing. So just like any of the other episodes, if you want to start or join a conversation about the topics discussed, please check out our Facebook group. You can find it at the Music Therapy Chronicles page and just click the visit group button or you can search it in the search bar. Also, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes. That helps this podcast get out there to more people and uh, more easily seen. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the podcast, Rochelle. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited to uh, to talk to you today because you have an amazing story to tell us all. But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself outside of music therapy? Um, sure, like my life now or my life always? Or Whatever what? you want to share. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I'm a mom. I've got two girls. They're ages five and eight, eight and a half be precise. And um, single mom, I've got, you know, we live in the suburbs in Kansas City, Missouri. And so I run my business during the day, during the week, and then I'm a mom in the evenings and weekends. So um, I mean, I, you know, 
we were active in our church and then we go to the YMCA and my five-year-old just started um, T-ball this last week. And so we just do a lot of kind of boring suburban family type stuff, I guess. I don't think that's boring at all. (laughs) I think that's awesome. And uh, wonderful that you're able to make the time to do those things with your kids. Right. Yeah, that was a priority for me when I got into the field and started building my business was I wanted to be able to be a mom and be the kind of mom that I had. You know, my mom was really present, so I wanted to be that way, too. Beautiful. So how did you find music therapy and work your way to where you are now? Okay, sure. So I heard about music therapy when I was a junior in high school. So I graduated 20 years ago this year. So 21 years ago, I heard about music therapy in a brochure from the University of Evansville, which has got to be one of the best like marketing brochure marketing stories that um, is out there because most of them I just tossed in a box. But this one I happened to look at. And at the time, you know, I, I was, you know, in band and orchestra, I played the oboe. And so I was I wanted to keep playing the oboe through college. I wanted to keep being a musician, but I knew I didn't want to be an educator, music educator. So, um, and that's, and I knew I didn't want to be a performer either because, you know, oboist, we spent a lot of time working on reeds and I was ready to be done with that. So, um, I knew I wanted to do something with music and, but I was also looking towards helping professions, psychology, counseling, that kind of thing. So when I read about music therapy, it seemed like a good way to combine two different interest areas that I had as a 16 year old kid getting ready to go to college. And luckily for me, it was the perfect fit. You know, we started um, at the University of Evansville, we started practicums my the second semester of my freshman year. So I got to start getting out there and seeing what music therapy looked like with clients. And, you know, I've I've loved it ever since. So, um, so I've been a music therapist now for 15 years, board certified. I did my um, internship at Music Works of California. And then um, when I finished out there in San Diego, I knew I wanted to come back to my hometown, which is Wichita, Kansas area, but there weren't any music therapy jobs there. So I had to start my own thing, which is part of the reason I went to Music Works um, to get that private practice experience. So I came back to Wichita, Kansas and started my business there. I had another job as a mental health tech and inpatient mental health. So I did that in the evenings and then started building my business kind of slowly while I was in Wichita. I was there for four years, got married and moved to Kansas City. And now I've been in Kansas City for 11 years. Nice. That was very concise. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah. So um, building a business right out of college, that was your intention. So you set yourself up for success with that, with your internship. What was that like being a new professional and trying to do all that yeah um it's not necessarily a path I would recommend (laughs) um but I think people can be successful with it I mean I I was very clear on what was important to me and so living where I wanted to live was important and being able to do music therapy was important so I'm a pretty focused and goal-directed person and so that helped me get through um, with beginning to build my business, despite the fact that I didn't know a whole lot about business. And, you know, I was 22 years old, 23 years old, and approaching these organizations and saying, hey, hire me. And I looked pretty young for my age, too. So I got um, 
really the people that hired me thinking back on it now, I'm really glad that they kind of took a leap of faith and hired this fresh faced young woman to do a um, clinical service with their patients. So I actually started by trying to get into the hospitals there. When I was at Music Works, we did a lot of contract work in the hospital system, a couple different hospitals. Um, but I just ran into a brick wall trying to um, get in touch with the decision makers and the right people in the hospitals. So um, senior living was really the first place that I started um, getting some traction, getting some interest. My very first contract was for four hours a week at a senior living community. So it was a pretty sizable contract and they paid my rate. I didn't even have to, I built enough padding into my rate to be able to discount it if necessary, mm -hmm. but they paid what I asked for. So I really, I mean, started out from, um, I didn't start out under charging, which I think is a mistake I see people make sometimes because if you start out low, it's harder to get people to pay more later. Um, and then hospice, I got a couple of hospices to take me on as well early on. So, um, so those were some of my early contracts. I also, over the years I've, I've done contract work in many different settings. I, I was in residential treatment for adolescents for a little bit, um, inpatient mental health, um, the school systems. I worked with private clients, kids with autism, um, and other developmental disabilities. And so I've worked in a lot of different settings, but my heart has really been with older adults and especially the mental health side of, of being older adults. So once I got to Kansas city and I had the opportunity to focus just on my business and to really narrow down my focus, um, that's when I started focusing all my marketing and all my efforts towards working with older adults, senior living and hospice primarily. And then for the last few years, we've been starting to dip our toes into working more with um, clients on a private pay basis, older adults who have Parkinson's, dementia, um, stroke, depression, things like that. Yeah. Do you find that that's um, an underserved population in your area? It's underserved, but the market is not very well developed. And so there are not a lot of people looking for private music therapy services. I get a lot of, um, wow, I didn't even know that was a possibility. Or I know that there's music therapy in nursing homes, but I didn't know that was something, you know, that I could have. I hear a lot of, I just did a senior fair last week and I got probably three or four stories from people saying, man, I wish I knew about this when I was taking care of my mom or when I was taking care of my grandmother. Um, so, so we're doing the hard work now of educating our community, our community about these services that are available so that people who are in the right position and um, when the time is right and they need music therapy, that they know where to access it. Yeah. Uh, kudos to you for putting in that work and um, putting yourself out there and doing the legwork so that yeah, the, thank you. the people who come after you, people will know. It'll be recognizable and uh, the mm -hmm. services will be easier to get. So wonderful. Yeah. Great. So you are busy, busy, busy. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And you just, um, or maybe you're still running your Rock That Contract. Is that the right name? Rock That Contract course? Yes. So about, um, when was this? Probably seven years ago or so um, when my older daughter, when she was a baby, I decided that I wanted to start doing some work, more work from home. You know, I'd been driving 500 miles a week, (laughs) three, four, 500 miles a week and wanted to be home more. So, um, that's when I started MT Insider, which is a membership program for music therapists. Um, it's a a way that I can support other music therapists with some supervision, with some, um, we put out resources every month that they can access to help with elder care, music therapy, and with business development kinds of things. Um, so I started that several years ago and then I had people who really wanted a more linear way of learning some basic business skills. And so that's when I put together rock that contract. Um, so I think I've had about, I might be up to like 40 people, 40 or 50 people who've been through that course now, wow. uh, it's a group coaching program. So there's video training, there's, um, videos that you can watch at any time. And then we do group coaching calls so that we can all cheer each other on as, as people are working on business. I love coaching calls because we're all over the country, all over the world. Um, we've had people from Canada and Australia too. And um, people are working on different things, but we can share our experiences to help elevate music therapy businesses all over the place. And um, music, I mean, there's so few music therapists compared to other healthcare professions that um, we help each other. Like I have competitors in my area, right? There's other music therapy companies that are going after the same clients, but we really do better when we are all developing the market and we're all developing the business model so that people will actually be looking for our services and knowing what they want and, and that kind of thing. So that's one of the things that's really exciting about now being in a position to coach and supervise other music therapists. Yeah. And that's, um, thank you for saying that about the using the word competitors, but also working together. I think that's also a really admirable quality in a business owner. And I agree that more conversations with uh, other music therapists, other professionals about what we're experiencing and just being able to talk about it and be related to is really important. And for us, those of us who drive around all day and we're, we're more Mm -hmm. isolated, um, you know, we don't have necessarily co-workers we can talk to every day. It's nice to have those set times where you can peer supervise or um, just vent if you need to. And it's awesome that you're you're leading this conversation and that you have this 15 years of skills that you're teaching to other people. So that's that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, thank you. Of course. So when uh, you sent out the newsletter for that email, the Rock That Contract email, Uh, Mm -hmm. The title of it was, My Last Name Changed, Here's Why. And (laughs) I want to give you the space today to tell that story in as much detail as you want, uh, because I think, as you had said in that letter, uh, the email, it's it's a story that so many people can benefit from and learn from. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank you for your vulnerability for sharing that. So go ahead. Okay. So... um... As I mentioned before, I moved to Kansas City when I got married, and so that was in 2008. I was married to my husband for 10 years, 
Um, and then we were, we got divorced as of December of 2018. So we were married just over 10 years. Um, he moved out in this, um, the went January, February of 2018. So we were separated for a year about, about a year before our divorce was final. And, um, to make a long story short, or maybe the TLDR version is that, you know, my marriage became abusive towards the end and the last few years. And, um, so I had this experience of, I, I don't, let me think of a good way to say it. Um, I had, I had the experience of being, of feeling trapped in a bad marriage, feeling like I couldn't get out, feeling, um, um, like I was a complete and total fraud <laughs> while I was, you know, putting myself out in front of the world, marketing my business and talking about music therapy and then being a leader for other music therapists while I was living in this situation in my home where I felt, um, unsafe, frankly, um, so in my relationship, it never got to the point where, um, I never had visible bruising. I never got landed in the ER or anything like that. But, um, in retrospect, I can see that I experienced a lot of emotional abuse, a lot of verbal abuse, um, some financial abuse as well. And, um, a lot of things that I was able to rationalize, to write off as, you know, things being bad, but they're going to get better and that kind of thing. And, um, the further and further I get away from the end of our marriage, the more I can see, um, what was happening there. And frankly, the more horrified I am at what I put up with for years, really. Um, so the reason I, I sent out that the email that you mentioned, I sent this out to um, the li email list. I have a music therapist, which is about um, 2000 people right now that I send this email to. And um, I, I, um, I want people to know that if they're experiencing abuse in their marriage or in an intimate relationship, that, you're not the only one because I had a whole bucket load of shame for being a music therapist, having worked in inpatient mental health, you know, um, having received additional training and counseling, having done a lot of reading about domestic violence, having promised myself before I got married that I would be out the door at the first sign of abuse. I pro you know, I thought that I knew everything <laughs> and that I, I would be able to recognize all the red flags and get out before, um, before I was hurt. And that is not what happened. So, um, I felt a lot of shame over that. Like, who am I to be a music therapist, to be a therapist, telling other people how to take care of themselves when I obviously can't take care of myself. Um, I needed help to get out. I needed my mom to help me. I needed my community to help me see what was happening and to, um, provide me with financial and emotional resources, um, help with my kids while I was, um, while our marriage was ending and we were establishing our new, um, two separate households and that kind of thing. So, and that continues now that I still need a lot of support from my community. So 
when I was first beginning as a music therapist, when I was first married, I somehow had this idea that because I was a music therapist, I should be able to take care of myself, that it was my job to help other people and that, um, I was not going to be the one receiving help. So I just, for whoever's listening to this podcast, I want you to know that we all need help from time to time in various kinds of ways and that we all deserve it. We all deserve the support of people in our community. Um, and we're all going to find ourselves in situations that are unhealthy in one way or another. And it's okay to find yourself in that position and it's okay to find help giving out. So, um, I can say that I, I also, um, I, I sent that email out probably several months before that I put a post on my Facebook page and I, I can't even count how many people I heard from who have, um, who are music therapists or other mental health professionals who have been in an abusive relationship, who have, um, had the same kind of experience of how did I, how did this happen? And how did I let this happen to me? And nobody's going to help me. I'm stuck. Um, I've heard that from many people. I'm not the only one. And whoever's listening to this that needs to hear this, you're not the only one either. And I think that's really important for us to know and to recognize that um, you can be, now I'm bragging on myself a little bit, but you can be a smart and accomplished person, a leader in the field, you can be, um, have a successful business and still end up in crap like this. So I'm tampering down my, my usual language that I use to discuss the situation. So, um, because this is a professional podcast <laughs> anyway, be open. I know that <laughs> I think it's important to know that we, that you're, we're not alone, that we're all going to go through this stuff. Um, not all, you know, intimate partner violence, but we're all going to go through some kind of something painful in our lives and we're allowed to ask for help. We're allowed to receive help. We're allowed to fall apart a little bit, you know, and when we can have the self-awareness to be paying attention to that, that's how we can protect our clients too, which is another important piece of that puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, one of my goals with the podcast, there is a group on Facebook for anyone listening who hasn't found that yet. And uh, my, one of my hopes is that people will discuss the episodes, any of them. And so if you are one of those people listening who also needs to talk about this and has personal experience with this, feel free in that group to comment on a post, make your own post and find other people who you can talk to one on one or in a small group or whatever you need. Um this should be a space where we can all do that. So thank you for starting this conversation. Yeah. And so I, let me just say a couple other things. Totally. It's also, uh, it's important to know that um, intimate partner violence is not exclusive to cisgendered women in heterosexual relationships. So men can also be abused by their partners. Um, people in, same-sex relationships, There's can be a high rate of abuse there. Um, anyone on the gender continuum anywhere can experience this. So that, that can be another layer of shame for people too. I think it's easier to find support as um, a cisgendered heterosexual woman in the area of, of intimate partner violence than it might be otherwise. But again, let me say, you deserve the help 
and support of your community. And I'll also say too, since this is a sensitive topic, that if anybody wants to reach out to me personally, I'm happy to um, happy to help, happy to help connect you to resources. Um, you can message me on Facebook. Um, I'm sure you can include a link to that wherever you're going to put your links. But but yeah, I'm happy for that too. Awesome. To help are you there, connect resources. Are there any you can think of off the top of your head? And I'll put them in the show notes. Um. Not off the top of my head. I mean, the couple that I'm thinking of are, are private secret groups. Gotcha. <laughs> that That's totally fine. Podcast. That's but, totally fine. But I can help connect you to resources. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. I will put all your information in the show notes. And um, so anyone who would like to contact you directly will be able to do that through this. I will say, too, that I've, I've learned a lot. I'm, I'm part of a divorce support group, and I've learned a lot there about some of the resources available that I didn't know about. Um, so if you find yourself in a, a domestic violence kind of situation or um, you're in, you're in a, if you're in a, a marriage that you need to get out of because of, you know, emotional verbal abuse or whatever, you know, most of the domestic violence shelters, organizations, um, they're usually locally run. There's not like big corporations, you know, violent shelters everywhere, anything like that. Not a lot of money in it, I guess, but um, a lot of those places can help to connect you to legal resources, can help to connect you with therapists who specialize in, um, this kind of work. Um, so those are, I mean, and they're specialists and some of the music therapists listening to this might even be part of these organizations. They're specialists in making you feel comfortable asking for help. So those phone calls are the hardest, but they make the biggest difference. And you hit the hit the nail on the head earlier saying that it's it can feel especially difficult in our profession to be the one who needs help when mm -hmm. you are always the one giving the help and feel that responsibility to always be the one giving. Yeah, and we have this this us and them kind of dichotomy sometimes. Like I'm the therapist for the clients, um, which is a problem clinically, I think. I mean it's it's a problem across the board. Because we're all humans first. We're all humans. We're all musicers, musicians. Before we start entering diagnoses and blah 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 blah, um, so that's already a problem to think in this us versus them dichotomy. And so, um, another kind of silver lining or blessing of of experiencing what I've experienced is that um, some of those false boundaries are kind of not there. Those false walls aren't there so much. So um, that makes it easier to connect human to human while still maintaining appropriate professional boundaries, of course. But being two people rather than being a therapist and a client. So how has this experience impacted your um, clinical sessions? How are you better able to relate to your clients now? Um, well, most of my clients are older adults. Yeah. Many of my clients have dementia. So I have lots of folks who've lived very long lives and um, maybe can't even remember a lot of them. When I was first starting in the field, um, I had a lot more 
um, I, I, I had a lot more stereotypes, I think, then than I do now in terms of, oh, here's this sweet, cute lady and she's married. So she's probably been married for 50 years or, you know, here's this, this, um, nice old man, you know, he's always been nice. He's always been, um, you know, gentle and loving with his family or, you know, here's this, why is this child, you know, why is this adult daughter not showing up to visit her mother? Um, what a horrible person she must be. But now I understand, I, I have much more of a realization that these older folks that I'm working with don't all have the same story that some people did have, um, loving, healthy marriages for 50 years. Some people have been married for years, but maybe have been putting up with a whole lot of abuse during that time frame. And, you know, and some of these adult children had a great relationship with their family, but maybe some of them, you know, um, experienced abuse from these people that were never caring for. So I'm, I'm much more aware of the complex dynamics that a lot of my folks have, um, have experienced that makes it, um, I'm much more careful about how I ask questions and how I frame different songs. And, um, a concrete example is I used to do a mother's day session, you know, every year in a father's day session and all the songs are about, Oh, how wonderful mothers are. And, you know, you're, um, uh, well, you know how you do like a mother's day theme session. And then um, it started dawning on me, well, some of these ladies have not had children or some of them, their children have died or they have, don't have great relationships with them. And then there's, there's more in terms of like some of, you know, some of these women had to stay in a bad marriage because they had children or they got pregnant or they had to get married because they were pregnant. Um, most of the people I work with are women. That's why I keep saying women. But um, so these days I don't do a mother's day session anymore. Um, we do, we still do theme sessions in different ways, but the way I approach and frame things is much more sensitive to the fact that I know people have experienced lots of different things through the course of their lives. Yeah. That can be um, a really tough balancing act, especially mm -hmm. where you're, you're working with people who have lived such long lives and they've all been so different. So Mm -hmm. That that must be really hard sometimes to to want to make things exciting or themed or frame it in a positive way, but also be aware that it's difficult to do that, not knowing what everyone has gone through. Right. And within a group session, when you only get to see them for 45 minutes twice a month. Twice <laughs> a know? month even. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that kind of thing can be challenging. And, it, and that's, I mean that's the strength of music therapists. But this is when I get on my soapbox for music therapists. I think sometimes we think that working with older adults is, is easy and all you have to do is learn a bunch of songs and you'll be fine. Um, but that doesn't honor all the complexities of what people have experienced in their lives and how they're feeling about those things now. You know, you might have, um, two women in their eighties, both of whom experienced a, an abusive marriage when they were in their twenties, 60 years ago. Um, and they can be at very different places with how they feel about that. And their lives could have turned out in very different ways. Like one of them, you know, maybe 
they got divorced. One of them, maybe their spouse died and then they got remarried. There's so many different, when people are alive for that long, there's so many different iterations that a life can take. So we can't make any assumptions. Um, but we also can't be afraid to reach out and make a connection, even and if it doesn't quite connect initially. So um, you have to get really good working with older adults at um, really listening and really meeting somebody in the moment. And it's really hard to describe in words. <laughs> so I hope it's kind of landing as I say this, but because there's so much more life that they've had, so much more life that they've experienced, um, we really have to be good listeners and not have a cookie cutter approach to how we work with our clients and with who are older people. So um, it's not as easy as just, you know, pick five songs about cars and we're done for the day, you know, pick five songs about cars, but then get ready for the, just, you know, things to go in lots of different directions. Yeah. Um, when I worked with the geriatric population, discussion was one of the biggest parts of the session uh which is obviously brings in all the memory recall and the neuroplasticity and everything but it like as you said the discussion can go in any direction and being prepared to both follow where the group is going and adapt but also bring it back to mm-hmm. what you kind of have planned or that's um obviously a skill of our trade <laughs> but i i that's very good that you mentioned that that yeah these people have lived so much life such complex lives and it's important to recognize that that adds complexity to our sessions and to be prepared for that mm-hmm. yep yeah yep. so what are you you obviously have a, um, a passion for this population this geriatric population that's beautiful what are some other highlights some of your favorite things about working with older adults um, I've been studying this concept called gerotranscendence recently. In fact, I'm going to be doing a CMTE at the conference this year on gerotranscendence and um, exploring that through the lens of music. And one of the ideas in, in gerotranscendence is that this, this idea called emancipated innocence, which is a, a beautiful term for once you get to be a certain age, um, you know, you just don't give a damn anymore. (laughs) And you can, you give yourself permission to have fun and to play and to be creative and try new things. The things that, you know, we buttoned up people in our forties and fifties when we're trying to, you know, work and raise our kids and save up for retirement and all that, um, that we don't allow ourselves to do. So that's something I I also say sometimes it's one of the gifts of dementia is that people allow themselves to have fun, to dance and to play instruments and to try new things. And, and, um, I just, I think that's wonderful that we get to have that. So many people get to have that at the end of their lives, even if they had many, many years that they weren't able to do that. So that's one thing I love about working with older adults. I also, um, we do a lot of work in hospice and some of the most 
precious sessions I've ever had have been with people who are in their very final days or hours of life. And even a few times I've been with people as they've died. And it's just such an honor to be with somebody at the end of their life. I think in our culture, we're, we're really great at celebrating and honoring the beginning of life and celebrating and honoring parents of newborns and that kind of thing. Um, but the end of life, we don't always, we have funerals, but we don't always get to be there for the very end of the life. And I just think it's a, it's just a sensitive, beautiful time and getting to, um, help to create a space where people can um, really connect in that time. And then when, when people who are dying can let go, um, it's just an incredible um, thing to be a part of a great honor. Honor is the word that comes to mind. So, um, so those are, those are a couple of big things. The other um, thing I really love about working with people with dementia is, um, when there are people who have not been connecting with the world, they haven't been connecting with people around them, they haven't been connecting with their family, but then through music, through this activation arousal thing that happens when we're doing music together, that they're able to connect with the people around them um, or even to connect with these old memories. Um, I will never get tired of having those kind of moments in music therapy sessions. Wonderful. Um, the middle one, especially about the hospice and the end of life, it takes a really special person to be able to experience that, facilitate music therapy in that setting and to recognize the beauty of that situation. So that's wonderful that you are able to do that. And I know there's plenty of other music therapists out there who definitely feel the same way. <clears throat> and as somebody who loves working with older adults, I have to say, I mean, I would not do well in early childhood <laughs> or the NICU. So I think um, there's a place for each one of us where we can really um, do our best work. And so I'm gr grateful that I found my place to do my best work. And it's also a joy for me to be able to help other music therapists get to do their best work too. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. I'm sorry. This It's just really, really touching. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you've said. Yeah. And it's amazing to me that you right out of school knew exactly your population, what you wanted to start a business, this, that, and the other thing. You seemed to just have it all. And um, there's many people who I've talked to who they, they stumbled a little bit and tried some things and yeah. figured it out on the way. So it's wonderful that you've had this big chunk of time to just get deeper and deeper into what you know is best for mm -hmm. you and what, how you can best serve through music. Right. Unless anybody think that I have just known everything from day one. Right. Sorry. Um, poor wording. <laughs> right. I mean, yes, I feel very grateful that I've been, I, I've been clear on my values and my purpose and my goals and all that for a long time, which is very helpful. But um, my business has grown very slowly so I've been in business for 15 years. I have one part-time employee. You know, I see other music therapists who, you know, they start their business and then a year later they have like a team of 12 or something like that. And so there's, there's a piece of me too. That's like, well, what am I doing wrong? How come, you know, I don't have this or that or whatever. So I think it's really important for all of us to remember that, um, not, no one 
so we're all going to define success differently. And we're all going to, especially when it comes to business, the whole point of being in business for yourself is to have a business that um, serves your values or helps you to drive towards what's important to you. So when I had my first child um, eight and a half years ago, I made the decision to let my, I, I let go of some contracts. I had a subcontract thing I was doing. So I let go of some things so that my caseload shrunk down to half time. So I wouldn't be too busy. And then I built it up again when I had my second child. Um, again, my caseload shrunk a little bit, but that was the time when I could hire somebody very part time. Um, so, you know, I've, I've been able to let my business expand and contract over the last few years that have been, you know, very rocky in my personal life. I haven't had as much time to put on driving my business forward. You know, I really prioritize, um, uh, self-care kinds of things. So like I can feel my, I'm getting a sore throat today. So as soon as we get off of this podcast, I'm going to be taking a nap so that I won't be cranky when my kids come home. Um, so that's something I want to say too, is that I haven't, I'm not an overnight success. Those don't actually exist. <laughs> Thank you. So for saying we that. all have to put lots of work into whatever we're pursuing and whatever path you choose, if it's serving your values, then that's okay. Like when in rock that contract, um, an MT insider and the coaching programs I do, we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, what are your values? What do you want your business to be like? Um, making sure that you are getting the kinds of work that you want to do and not just whatever happens to fall in your lap. Um, and we all have different values. And so my business is very focused on older adults. Some people want to have a, a big variety and that's okay too. I mean, there's so many different variations and it's good for us personally, if we can build businesses that are, um, that match our values, but it's also good for our communities to have a lot of different kinds of ways to access music therapy. So, um, that's a long way of saying, <laughs> Don't think that I've always had everything together because that is not the truth. That's the message that I want everybody to take home is that Rochelle is not perfect. She never has been. And that's okay that none of us are perfect and we don't know what we're doing. We're all making it up as we go along. That's the, the, um, the lesson of my 30s has been, you know, we're all creating things from scratch. Nothing has been around forever, <laughs> you know, so it's okay. We're, we'll get there eventually. Yeah. Well said. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a correction, just a little nudge to the right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, thinking back. Oh, you, you had mentioned, you know, this afternoon, this is what you have planned for self-care to, to take care of yourself. And uh, I know myself, and I'm sure many other people, it's sometimes it's difficult to not only prioritize yourself, but even after you do prioritize yourself and you do X, Y, Z for self-care to remind yourself that that is time well spent. Right. You know? yep. yeah. Just because I wasn't on email or writing a treatment plan or whatever else you need to do, it is just as valuable when you need it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And our society tells us that we have to be productive. And if we're not being productive, then something is wrong. Yes. Um, but... We don't have to live like that. Mm -hmm. And I think you defining success for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is yeah. totally true. Which, um, I think it's wonderful that you have a business and you have someone who works part time. And 
I think that's just as successful as having 12 employees or whatever, uh, especially because you have taken so much time to define your values and follow those so truly, uh, which is mm -hmm. something I'm sure a lot of people, they step over or they come back to later. Uh, uh -huh. But I think you've created a great model. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I hope that we all can get to that place where our needs are met and we get to do something that is meaningful I think that's a life well lived. You know, when your needs are met, you get to do something meaningful and then you have some flexibility to make some changes when it's time for things to change. Yeah. I, I think that's what a lot of us look for in this profession. Mm -hmm. Personally, yeah. at least that's, that's something I look for. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's wonderful to wake up every day and I say to myself, I am grateful to have today to help others through music. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. been my daily mantra for a, for a long time when driving to work or Whatever, um, no matter what mood I'm in, I always say that to myself because it's so true. It is true. It is true. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, so you can take that nap and rest yourself. <laughs> Would you like to move into some rapid fire or do you have anything else you'd like to add before we do that? Um, I don't know what rapid fire is, so let's do that. Oh, okay. So the, the, the questions are short. Your answers don't have to be. They're just questions I ask everyone at the end of the episode. Okay. Cool. All right. So we'll start off with a little warm up. Coffee okay. or tea? Tea. Good. Uh, no, coffee never have. Me either. Not a coffee person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Early bird or night owl? Oh, night owl. And my daughters are too. And so <laughs> this last, yesterday was the last day of school. And so this last week has been brutal in terms of getting up in the morning. Mm -hmm. I'm glad it's summertime. Yeah. It's society also right now appears to have this idea that early birds for whatever early bird gets the worm. Right. Um, yeah. And I have listened to some podcasts recently about how that might not be true for some people who just work better at night. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm in some entrepreneurial entrepreneur kinds of groups and people be like, yeah, I start my morning routine at four o'clock a.m. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I might not go to bed till one o'clock. No, my power hour for creativity and, and strategic planning is from like nine o'clock to 11 o'clock PM. Like if I could work that time frame every single day, then I would be in good shape. Um, it doesn't work very well with parenting. Yeah. <laughs> but so it's rare that I get to work that time frame. but yeah, I'm definitely a night owl. Thank you for being an example of how that still works though. Because <laughs> yeah. you're obviously doing something right. All right, the next one is something you would tell your younger self. Oh, man. I think I would tell my younger self to speak up, Be, take up a little bit more space. I've been, um, I was very quiet, very quiet, studious, perfectionist as a kid. Um, and it's taken being an entrepreneur to figure out how to be my introverted self and also take up space and, and use my voice and get my messages out there to the world. Yeah. Well said. Your music therapy elevator pitch. <laughs> so my elevator pitch um, is unique to my business and the what we offer. Okay. And I actually took a, a six week long course, I think, to come up with this pitch. So I put a lot of time into it. 
we believe that everybody deserves meaningful music experiences all the way to the end of life, no matter what kind of cognitive or physical limitations might be getting in the way. And we want people to have those music experiences with the people around them, people that they love. So that means that we engage in music in a lot of different ways and we help people um, figure out ways to do music together in a way that's meaningful for them. If it wouldn't break everybody's ears, I would clap into the microphone. <laughs> that's very well said. Well yeah, done. Something that is currently adding value to your life. <sighs> um, I'm kind of thinking all the podcasts right now. You know, a pod, I, I could recommend about a million podcasts. We were kind of talking about this before we got started recording. Um, the one podcast that has been really helpful for me is called, um, there's two, Pod Save the People and Code Switch. And both of those are very much about, um, Pod Save the People is more of um, political, um, progressive politics. And it's, um, the three hosts are all, uh, people of color, your four hosts, and they share news stories that have to do with um, things that are affecting people of, co of color in our country. And then Code Switch is from NPR, and it's also about, um, you know, kind of racial issues, that kind of thing. But from both of those podcasts, I'm learning a lot about um, seeing the world from different perspectives. I'm a um, a white woman, cisgender, you know, I have a lot of privilege. So um, it's been very helpful for me to listen to those podcasts and some others um, to give me a better perspective on the world and, and my place in the world and how I can use my place in the world to make the world better for everybody, you know, do my part to help our community in general. Yeah. Those sound like great resources and I'll make sure to add them for everyone else to find. Okay. Your favorite self-care practice? Naps. <laughs> Just getting more sleep is really the best thing I, I can do. If, if, I, if I can't count naps, I would say um, uh, I go swimming. I do lap swimming. I picked that up again about a year ago, year and a half ago, um, after a probably 25-year hiatus from swimming. <laughs> And I just love being in the pool. Um, it's, it's pretty quiet. There's a lot of space and you know, the feeling of floating. Um, I just really like swimming. So that's the other thing I do. Like when I, um, it's not the easiest thing to squeeze in because I have to go to the pool and shower and all that. But, um, but if things, if, you know, if I'm having a really bad like anxiety day or something like that, going to the pool is always something that will help me get into a better headspace. I also recently came out of retirement to start swimming again. Yeah. 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 It's, um, makes you feel powerful. <laughs> it does. You know, and I've had to work through a lot of like issues about my body and what my body can do for me because, you know, you swim in the lane next to the people that are training, like the 20 something young men who are training for a triathlon and they're just like, zip, 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 zip. And I'm like paddling along and, um, so I've had to like deal with that stuff, which has been really good for me. I mean, a year ago, I would have been kind of scared to walk around the pool in, in my swimsuit. 
And now I'm like, all right, I'm going to go swimming. Hey guys, you know? And so I feel much more confident and grounded in my body. So it's been a really, from a self-care perspective, it's been really powerful for that. Good for you. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. The, oh, nope, there's two more. Just kidding. Your favorite intervention or song to use in a session? <laughs> I don't, I don't tend to think in terms of interventions. That's fine. Um, but one of my favorite songs, there's just so many of them. How do you pick? Um, I really like the song, since I'm talking about swimming, this is what pops into my head. I really like the song, Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dot Bikini. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially this time of year, because it's really funny to ask the women in my groups if they've ever worn a bikini. You get all kinds of answers to that question. Um, some, and it's often surprising, <laughs> the answer that you get. Um, and then the recorded version of that song has some really clear starting and stopping places. So I'll often play the recording and then facilitate drumming with it and have everybody stop during the quiet spots and then start again. And um, that little kind of intervention drumming experience, um, people are usually able to do that. Even people with, you know, later mid-stage dementia can still start and stop as a group. And then everybody locks in, you know, and, and you're really a group making music together. And that feeling is just really cool to be in, um, be making music as a group. So that's a song I like. That's a good one. That's a really great. How and where can people find you? I'll put links, links to things, but um, all the places yeah. people can connect with you. Yeah, we're all the places except for Instagram because I don't want to learn how to use it. <laughs> no, Facebook and Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, connect with me personally at my company too. Um, and we have a YouTube channel um, that I'll give you the link to. And uh, the best thing for music therapists to do is to sign up for our newsletter, our email newsletter, because we do videos that are specific to music therapy in elder care and specific to music therapy in business that we don't put up publicly on YouTube. So if you get on our email list, then you'll be able to get access to those, those videos as well as the trainings and webinars and things like that, that we put out as well. Yeah. Which I can vouch for all quality. Um, the most recent webinar, other than the, the pre rock that contract one that I watched, I think you did one on ethics. Uh, yeah, yeah, over the new code of ethics. Yeah, right, which was out. super yeah. beneficial. I really appreciated uh, you putting that out there for all of us. Yeah, so, good. I'm glad you saw it. Yeah, so thank you. And thank you for making the time to talk to me today and to share all your insight with those listening out there. Really appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Well, enjoy your nap. Have a good rest of your day. I sure will. Thanks for tuning in to my conversation with Rochelle. She has so much passion for what she's doing and also is such a warm person and so kind to put herself out there with both telling her story and herself being a resource for anyone who needs to discuss these topics or is looking for help. So anyone out there, please reach out to her if you feel inclined to 
or use our Facebook group as a safe place to also speak with others and talk openly about these topics because we're all here to help each other out. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. If you're interested in being on an episode or have someone in mind that we should interview, please let us know by emailing us at feedback at musictherapychronicles.com. Thanks again for tuning in.